Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. So this is uh, appears to be from a male, lifelong difficulty getting into any romantic relationships at all. Very shy with poor social skills. Live in sexual fantasy world, mostly some porn. Always seeking women out of my league. Do you treat addiction to sexual fantasy like addiction to porn? And then the next question is, what are recommended next steps to achieving real life romance and or sex? That's a great question. And we we see a lot of people that struggle with fantasy. So, but this puts it in a different perspective. So, well, what I like about the question, I agree with you, Tammy, is you're not really talking so much about just the porn, but you're talking about what's behind it, which is disappearing into something that does not allow you to have a meaningful relationship and disappearing into fantasy is porn. You know, it's not real. It's not, there's no one in the room, you know, so it is a fantasy. Um, I, if it were me, I would go to a, um, to an addiction program for porn. Uh, There is a porn addicts anonymous. There's a sex and porn addicts anonymous. I would sit in a bunch of those meetings. You don't have to leave your house. They're online and see where you fit in see what the other men are saying about their problem and where, because I do think while you framed it in terms of fantasy, you have a porn problem. And so why not start where the other people with porn problems are? You're gonna find yourself either learning from some of them or teaching some of them because we all get in that recovery process and it, it's a real, it, it's very relational. You know, you're gonna get role models and over time you're gonna be role model. I also wanna say, and I say this, without it i just want to tell you this we have a porn addiction education program just like we have a sex addiction program we have a porn 101 and a porn 102 and this is for exactly what you're talking about which is it's not just the porn or the fantasy it's the avoidance of connection and the inability to meaningful commit and you're right i mean i think you got it down these things all fit together but i think you have to stop the foreign porn first like you can want to have a relationship and long for a relationship. You deserve to have a relationship. But until you have the ability to not respond to that impulse and really pull your feelings into yourself rather than acting them out, you're not going to have a successful relationship. Um, but you can have successful relationships inside of those 12-step programs. I learned how to get along with people, how to ask for help, like a sponsor, how to give help to other people, how to structure my life in a way in there. And I was single for a long time before I figured that out. So I absolutely think you can get where you wanna get. I would take the course, I would go to meetings, I would do, really, I think you're you're in an educational part of the process, so learn everything you can. Um, but I absolutely think you what you want is achievable. And Lord knows we work with a lot of people who move from isolation and shame into meaningful connection. Um, one more thing that we say in 12-step programs, if you get in there, if you want to have a relationship, buy a plant. If you can keep the plant fed and keep the plant alive, it means you're attending to something, you're responding to something, you're responsible. Then get a dog or a cat and make sure you can or take care of them. Or a, well, I don't know about fish. Because when a fish dies, I don't feel that bad, but if a okay. dog or cat were to die, I'd feel horrified. So 
in any case, get yourself a pet and see if you can come home on time and feed them and make sure they're in your, in your heart and your mind. And I think that, and then try people <laughs> because some of us don't even take care of ourselves, no less the things that are around us. And I love the idea of uh, start with a plant. That just makes so much sense to me. Anyway, Tammy, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, a number of things. First of all, that the work group. So we've got the next sex addiction 101 level one starting December 2nd, but the next porn addiction 101 level one starts, I think, December 7th. So those are both on seekingintegrity.com. You'll see them under um, uh, the online lectures and work groups. So six-week courses, very helpful, structured, and connection with other people. So I do think that that's a, a great idea. I did pick up on the... Um, always seeking women out of my league. And I thought, wow, that feels like if I'm always doing that, then I never have to really engage with them because I'm already setting myself up for it not working out. So, um, and then Dr. Rob talked about going to 12 step and meeting other people. He wasn't talking about dating within 12 steps. He was talking about connection with other people, having a sponsor, doing um, social connection. When I first got sober, A, I was young, B, I needed a social life. And so um, everybody, like we did stuff together as a group, but it wasn't dating, you know, within the group, it was just being social, you know, and, and uh, learning to have fun in a different way and making connections. And we were all awkward. We were all, you know, like it was, it was an issue, you know, probably across the board for all of us, but we learned as a group, you know, and supporting each other and giving each other the space and help for that. So I really do think that you can learn a lot with that um, as well, but you're here. That was a great first step. And then, you know, lots of, we've got men's drop-in groups throughout the week. I mentioned, yeah, I mentioned um, uh, the internal family systems. One is tomorrow morning. And then there's another group on Thursday morning. Attachment wounds is Friday morning, a group Sunday night. So all kinds of groups where you can connect other webinars. Dr. David's is on, um, on Wednesday night. So lots of stuff. Um, but, you know, keep coming back. But I think addressing that porn addiction first is a great place to start. So I, I just wanted to add one more thing, which is a lot of people say, well, I just I just need to go to the therapist or I just need to go to the right therapist. And, you know, therapy is really helpful over time in one hour a week and you're learning and you're having insight and you get support. But if you really want to recover from addiction, it doesn't work one-on-one. It, it takes a group. It takes a bunch of people coming together with the same problem and trying to figure it out together with rules and structure. So people say, well, why do you go to 12-step if you're going to therapy? Because therapy isn't it. It's only part of it. And, and what we say, and I think it's true, is you can have all the insight in the world. You can understand everything that happened to you in childhood and how you acted out as an adult. But that doesn't stop you from being in fantasy and porn. It doesn't teach you how to have a relationship. So these pieces go together. But I think going, and if you're in group therapy, I mean, it's okay, he's working in a group or she's working in a group. But just doing therapy as much as I love doing it for years, um, I don't think that's a sole way to help yourself. Tammy, do you mind if just for a second, I run to the restroom and I'll be right back. Um, okay. Sorry to keep you. Can I will, you listen? I, will uh, I can listen. Okay. I mean, I'm going to read the next like question. I feel like your mom, like, will you listen? Yes, I will absolutely <laughs> listen. Okay. So the next question is porn induced erectile dysfunction. So PIED from well over 20 years of porn, cyber sex and masturbation um, in a man now 70 after sobriety from porn and masturbation, would erectile dysfunction? 
uh, would erectile function return? How long would it take? So that's a great question. And what I'm hearing is 20 years of, you know, porn and cyber sex um, and masturbation. So a 70 year old man um, hide. And then how long would it take? And I'm going, I'm assuming you've been to your medical doctor to make sure there isn't other things going on, you know, um, as far as that goes as well. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, so thoughts on. Well, I, I, I agree with you, Tammy. I go to getting older, you know, if I was performing the way I did at 20, I'd probably die <laughs> from the amount of exercise it would take. But, you know, sex for older people, and this is very frequent, frequent, is men might not get erections or they don't get erections like they used to. Or so, you know, while I understand that the porn and the cyber sex and all of that has left you with that being your sole outlet and not really feeling you could have much left for other people. As Tammy said, you know, you have to accept aging. You might want to go see a doctor. And there are things for you to say, oh, I blame the porn and the cyber sex. That may be true, but it may not. And, you know, I, I really, the first place we go is have, have you seen someone to make sure you're physically healthy before you start working on this? So um, is there, or can erectile function come back? Of course it can. How long will it take? There is no timeline on that because everybody's body is different. And, you know, I know people who can start doing it again in three weeks and I know people who takes three months. And, but I do know, and I think this is absolutely wrong is to say, oh, well, in 90 days, this is gonna happen, or 45 days, our brains are different, our bodies are different, the way we think is different, and when these healthy things come back, it's going to be different. Tammy might say, well, how long does it take someone to get out of withdrawal when they're using drugs? Some people will take three weeks, some people can do it in three days. It just depends on your biology and your age and you know all that kind of stuff, so. And here's a thought, like, make that not the focus. Like mm -hmm. if it's about being intimately connected, you know, we talk about sensate focus touch where it isn't about, you know, erectile function. It's about connection. And if the, if the folk you've been disconnected for 20 years, I'm sorry, but like, how about changing the focus away from an orgasm to your partner that might be really good for your relationship if your partner is you know isn't feeling betrayal etc so if you're in a relationship we don't know yes this person yes is. this is true too yeah fair fair point but, so but but i really want to say to all of you that because we're sex addicts because we have sex addiction issues we're very focused on sex and many of us think sex is penetrative you know, and, and has to involve an orgasm. And the truth is, is that, well, first of all, if you're not able to get an erection, could you hold your partner while they enjoy themselves? Could you, could you stroke their hair? Could you kiss them? Sometimes an erection, excuse the language, just pops up when you don't think it will because you're hugging and holding and massaging. And when the focus is, I got to get an erection, I've got to have penetrative sex, and that's the thing that's going to make this person happy or me. I agree with Tammy. I think it's not, it's, missing the forest for the trees, or what do you say, not seeing the forest for the trees. Um, and so we're trying to give you some direction that might make it broader than just simply what you're talking about. And that goes to the porn addict who's in fantasy all the time too. So the next question, my husband and I have agreed to have a weekly meeting where he updates me on his progress. Can you tell us how to make it work well because it tends to devolve? I get mad at him and he gets frustrated. Any help in structuring it? 
Well, uh, I, first of all, I wouldn't do this every week. I would do it every day or I would do it four times a week. Or, you know, if you're working on communication and working through difficult struggles, I don't think an hour a week, like I said about therapy, you know, why can't you take, so a couple of things, take 25 minutes, take a half an hour, don't take an hour, don't take three hours, but take a short enough amount of time where you can say what you need to say, you can feel like you're heard, and then switch to the other person. Because the purpose of this is not to get into huge arguments, the purpose of it is just to be heard and communicate. The other piece I would add is um, what we call I don't um, empathic listening. Um, it's an essential to improve relationships, which is if Tammy says, I went to the store today and I was so frustrated with it and I just left without any groceries, um, then I say, what I heard you say is that you were frustrated today and you had trouble at the grocery store. I don't say, well, what I think you should do, or you're always having problems at the grocery store, you have to make sure that you have it right. And when I say to Tammy, oh, okay, so I heard you say you're having a problem at the grocery store, she feels reassured. Oh, okay, this person's actually interested in what I have to say. So a couple of things, sit across from each other for half an hour, four or five times a week. Make sure there's no one else around. Make sure you don't have to jump up and do something. Make sure you're not gonna answer the phone and pick someone to share. You might even write down here's a couple of things I want to talk about so that it doesn't devolve. So you keep focused on your discussion. Um, one of the things I'm good at is I do consultations for couples. And I just got off one with a really sad couple, Tammy. It's, it's hard for me because they have kids. And, but anyway, when I do a consultation, the couples, you know, of course, they want to get to this and they want to get to that. And I have to say, hey, let's just focus on the problem. Let's just focus on what's going on now because everybody who's struggling can get lost one of the things we say, by the way, in basic therapy, forget sex addiction, is don't throw the past at someone you're upset with about something in the present. If you're upset that someone's not walking to the dog, don't say, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that and three years ago and five years ago, and that's not helpful. Then you put them in a position of just being able to defend themselves. It may be true that things happened in the past, but what your focus is, is what, we, what are we doing now and what are the problems today and not throwing everything but the kitchen sink in i'd write the rules on a piece of paper and make sure they're on the wall next to you remember we're not supposed to do this um yeah boundaries structure write it out make sure it's clear shorten your discussions and make sure you're letting your partner know that you hear what they have to say that's my stuff and i hear that he's going to update me on his progress i don't hear it being um, it being right. a give and take. So like, and you know what, if, if I'm in gratitude, if I can think of one thing I'm grateful for, that shifts the, the things for me too. So rather than it being a laundry list of where he's failing, perhaps it's, you know, here's something that I, you know, I'm proud of this week or here, I see that you're trying this week, Rob, I really see, you know, you tried really hard, you know, and I, I I'm grateful that you showed up for that meet, whatever, but the more that it's, I mean, it helps diffuse it. So, so I really like the 20 minutes, 25 minutes, but like not have it be a thing and have it be contained. And you know what, if there's unfinished business, 
that can be put on and then we can talk about it the next time. But it isn't this long drawn out that we both dread because it's always going to be horrible kind of thing. So, um, but, but look for the victories as well as, you know, the, the accountability. So, but I also think it, you know, it's about you, where are you? And like, I was feeling really triggered by, you know, when I was driving to the grocery store, you know, because it, I had a bad time at the grocery store because I saw that, whatever, I mean, whatever. But then he's also hearing from you and he's learning to have to process in how you're feeling as well. It's a give and take, it's communication, you know, not just him doing the checklist, you know, which feels a little bit, I mean, I get it, but it, it also feels a little bit like you get put in the parental role of like, He's bringing you his homework, you know, and so if it can be more of a uh, of the two of you doing this to nurture your relationship and to have accountability and to, you know, I, I think I think it could be really well, I know I, it can be very valuable for couples. So I wanted to add a couple of things, really. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is what is the purpose of this? Why are you sitting down and talking? If the purpose is I want to find out more information that's not productive. This isn't a, a, a this isn't a detective uh, opportunity for you to learn more. This is an opportunity for you to understand each other. You want a disclosure. You want to talk about the problem. This isn't the place for that. This is the place to talk about what's going on with you and how the relationship is affected. And by the way, here's another way to two more ways to not get into conflict. One, and this is a important one: don't interrupt each other. Let the person say what they have to say and then respond. Don't interrupt while they're speaking. That's not helpful. It creates problems. And the other is maybe Monday he speaks and maybe Tuesday you speak. And so there's really no opportunity for them to be this all this drama. I also strongly recommend keep a pad and a piece of paper next to you. You may not, what I say may raise questions for you but it may not be the time to answer them because it's my night or your night. Or, so write your questions down. And the next time you talk, say, I have some leftover questions from last time we met. You know, keep your rules. Don't say, well, let's talk for another hour because something came up for me. You know, I really think creating rules and sticking to the rules um, is going to keep the spouse out of being a parole officer. And as Tammy said, keep the attic from turning into a child who has to, you know, admit that they took cookies from the cookie jar. So the, the next question is interesting because we basically talked about it last week, but I think it deserves a little um, retouch. So I was on your webinar last week, married for 32 years. D-Day was March. I found out my husband was acting out with 99% of the same sex all, all of our marriage. He was um, tampered with as a young boy. Dr. Weiss said last week he is a homosexual, which you never label. I mean, it's one of those. Well, I anyway. said walks like a duck, talks like a duck. Right. It's probably a duck. If you had sex with 500 men and two women, you know, right. you just got to be able to reach a conclusion from that. Right. And I also said that, sorry, Tammy, that your husband is going to make every attempt to convince you that it's not true. You're going to have to trust what you feel and not what he says. Sorry, Tammy. Well, it, the next part is my husband says he is not. He questions how someone could make that judgment without knowing him. My question is, can he his acting out with the same sex be caused by child trauma? Okay. That is what my husband says. Can this be true? Or is he more likely homosexual? So it feels like she's spinning in the, because um, he's saying, no, of course I'm not, you know, but yeah, so. Well, uh, what Tammy's saying, she didn't make a whole sentence there. <laughs> but I, I think 
So I'm going to go back to you. Well, can you make that into a sentence, Tammy? So the female spouse is going, you know, so this person, I, I provided some resources, like an expert consultation, which I think would be super helpful for the two of them, you know, to you to hear both of their you know, they're issues David, inside. Either one yeah, of us. Yeah, whichever. Mm -hmm. But but anyway, so kind of like you said would happen. She told him a you know, somewhat of what you said, and he's going, Oh no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And he blamed and me. Yes, of course. Yeah, because now, yeah. But it's also it goes back to the and you said this last week too. It's like trying to blame tampered with as a child so some violation as a child on now that, that i'm having sex with all kinds of men and your response last week to that was once or twice maybe but 99 percent right. of the time that's that, right he, yeah sorry Tim. no so anyway so no i, I want think, to validate that go ahead yeah no i that's that's where i was at with it so yeah i mean i agree you know tammy said it's absolutely true and i'm glad she brought it up if you have abuse, you might reenact it. You know, I've heard men say, I'm disgusted by penises and I don't know why I want to touch them and something happened, but they're completely focused on women and they have sex with lots of women and they enjoy women and they want to, be, but this is really confusing them. It isn't really in what arouses them, but they move toward it and it's completely confusing and they hate themselves when they've done it. And this is, but they're not having sex with a hundred people. And they're not spending years and years and years as a primary focus, having sex with other people. And every man that I have worked with, 2A1, who does not want to talk about homosexuality, does not want to deal with, will say, because it shuts you up, well, I was abused and that's why I do this. No. Once or twice, occasionally, confusion, in the wrong situation, had drinks, whatever, it might happen. But is it because the person is, uh, has been traumatized? a few times, but regularly 99% of his sexual life is with same sex. Um, I'll say it again. He's a homosexual and I don't care what he has to say. I think he's lying. I think he's not being honest. I think he's protecting himself. I think he's afraid of what the consequences might be if he was more honest with himself and others, but, but facts matter. Behavior matters. Um, I look at 99%. I'll tell you, I have guys who've been molested and harmed. We have a treatment center called Sex. Was it, what's our program Seeking called? Oh, integrity Seeking Integrity. Integrity. It's been a long day, Tammy. Mm -hmm. Our program's called Seeking Integrity. And one of the things that I, this comes up all the time, which is I was sexually abused when I'm mainly focused on women. And, you know, I, I don't understand why I have any interest in men at all. It may have to do with your abuse, but not a, if you're primarily involved with the same sex there's a reason why we call it sexual orientation that means i am oriented i am focused on my primary interest is with this whether or not i have abuse is secondary and i will stand on that well and he's still cheating on you i mean at the end right. of the day you know right. like unless you're giving him permission and maybe that's what he's seeking is you know it's okay because you were abused so you you get to go have sex outside of our relationship but he's still cheating on you he still has addiction issues so right. regardless of male or female who he's having sex with he's cheating on you chronically i mean i love you're bringing that up because what she's saying is i love the term red herring that you know he's saying look over there it's it's abuse it's this and that 
And Tammy's looking at the problem, which is the man is cheating on you. He's being dishonest. Who cares whether he's homosexual or heterosexual? If you have an agreement for monogamy, he's breaking it all the time. Don't tell me that that's abuse. He is making decisions to go do this. And, you know, abuse is sort of like, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm kind of out of it and I don't know how I ended up here and I wish I wasn't doing this. That's abuse. The, a volitional desire to keep going in that direction is not abuse. It's a choice. And it isn't a choice to be that way. It's who you are. Um, and by the way, where is he? Why, is, why are you asking these questions? Why are you reporting back what he had to say? Why isn't he here? Especially since he doesn't believe that any of this makes any sense. Why didn't he show up and ask the question for himself? Why are you having to ask the question? That just tells me a, a whole bunch of other things about what's going on with him. So for you, I'm going to encourage you to set healthy boundaries for you, regardless of what you know he says or does. I mean, he's, he's lied to himself and you for years. So what do you need to do to take care of you? Because yeah, you know, that, that would be my encouragement for you is make sure you're taking care of you. So, okay. My boyfriend is a professional musician who cheated on me. How do I stop being triggered by the fact that many of these women still attend the public concerts he plays at? In addition, in, in addition to that, I'm basically triggered by the sight of any women I see now since he indiscriminately flirted with or slept with basically any women, regardless of age or attractiveness, which makes me feel awful. How do I start being able to focus on my own life again? My work and personal health are all slipping as I'm unable to concentrate on anything, but what he's done to me, I am constantly reminded of what he's done every time I see a woman. I can't take that. Tony, why don't you start? I'm going to actually write a little note. Yeah, to me, it's like the women didn't do this. He did this. So it's it, like, like if you were sisters and, and yes, some of them knew he was or whatever. And, you know, they made really bad choices. But there's a whole bunch of women that would never do that to you. Um, um, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it was him. You know, he chose that. So has he developed... Has he developed different habits? Is he accountable? Is he, you know, what is he doing for his recovery and to build safety for you? I, I hope that, you know, as he enters these public things, you know, that it is, you know, he's accountable to his sponsor. He's, you know, texting you or whatever, uh, whatever you need for safety for you as part of, of his, you know, of his profession, but it's up to him to have the boundaries for his life and his accountability with his, you know, with his recovery team in order to be different. But, um, but I would really encourage you to lean into um, the support with other betrayed, uh, be, with other betrayed partners. Cause you know, like it's challenging because women are not the enemy and I don't want to make him the enemy either, but it's like, you know, shifting it that, you know, he was indiscriminate, you know, it, is. It, it yeah it, it it isn't us women it is him and his choices so that is triggering for you do you think Tammy that what I wrote came across to everyone because I never I often don't do that right um oh make sure you get STD te tested and don't have sex with him without a condom you have no idea what he is doing so I did now I've worked with many musicians. Some of them famous have come to treatment centers that I've run or manage. And I have to tell you that musicians are, they're on the road all the time and they're lonely. And there are a lot of people going, Ooh, he's attractive. Ooh, he's on the stage. Ooh. 
I would not feel trusting of this situation at all. I think that you should notice the fact that you are not focusing on your life, that your work is slipping, that you're unable to concentrate. If you feel trusting, that wouldn't be the case. So what I would say is trust your feelings, which is even if there's nothing going on, this isn't comfortable for you. This doesn't feel right for you. He's going right back to where he was acting out. Now he's saying, I'm not. I wrote about condoms for a reason. You have no idea what he's doing out there. And I would trust my uncomfortable feelings. I don't mean to say he's not a good person, but that's a very vulnerable situation. Um, so I just want to say this. There are two situations where a sex addict are most likely to act out. Number one, when we have unstructured time alone. So my spouse took the kids and went away for Thanksgiving weekend because I had to do some work and I've got three days by myself, very likely to act out. So un unstructured time alone. Number two, travel. That is the number two time when we act out because we think nobody's around and Honestly, we're often quite lonely, but we don't pay attention. We don't know where it's coming from. Um, but travel and unstructured time are what we act out over. And you're talking about a guy who has a lot of unstructured time when he's on the road, unless he's performing, and he's traveling. So Tammy didn't say this, but I would, be, I would want to be absolutely certain that he's going to meetings when he's on the road. I know when I used to travel, I would find out where a meeting was. Now we have Zoom, but I would find out there was a meeting. And by the way, it was always great because people say, oh, you're from there. You know, it was actually kind of fun. You get to be a little star because you come all the way to their meeting. And But nonetheless, um, I would be reassured by what he is doing. Is he going to groups? Is he this and that? Is he willing to make sure you're on the road with him? Is he willing to go on the road less? You know, I, I don't know what the answers are, but unless you see an active uh, participation in recovery um, and actually doing things that he's glad to tell you about, I would be concerned and I would trust your concerns. Yes, th that's my point is he needs to help you have safety and I don't hear that being the case. Right, but and it's I also not hear, by the being way, triggered by women. I mean, it, 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 is, it isn't just, uh, it's him, it's his behavior, so. Women are attractive to men who are heterosexual. There's nothing wrong with being attracted. It's what you do with it that matters. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com. So the next question.